you'll remember we are in a study of the book of Ephesians, I take you to Ephesians chapter 6, where we're going to look at spiritual warfare this morning, so that you will be an armed and dangerous people against an active enemy, and those that is Satan and his demonic host. You are not to fear the enemy, and he should be worried about you. So this morning we're going to look at spiritual warfare, and we begin at verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Do you see the, how that works? You have to be strong in the Lord before you're going to participate in his might. Amen. Be strong in the Lord. Why? And the strength of his might. Paul says this, that he labors with all of the Lord's strength. And he struggles using the Lord's strength. We need to remember who we are in Christ and stand in that authority. It's the difference between Don Knotts of Andy and Mayberry and Clint Eastwood. You gotta understand your authority. Do you remember Mayberry? Remember Don Knotts? He had one bullet in his pocket and he'd get out his gun. And that's how some of you are fighting the devil. You get out your gun and that enemy knows that you're a coward. You don't know what strength you stand in. But Clint Eastwood was a whole nother thing. When he was confronted and the man talked back to him, he said, come on, make my day. Make your move. No messing around. And we need to be a people in this day especially, powerfully anointed in the power of God's might. The devil will tell you you're nothing, you're a fool, you're, you're this and that. And you agree with him quickly and say, that's right, but by Christ in me, it's a whole different story, pal. I am not intimidated by you, and I am not afraid of you. I've got the authority of Christ in me, sealed by his Holy Spirit. We need the strength of the Lord this morning. So Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. The schemes, or the methodia in the Greek, the schemes, the plans, the traps that the enemy is setting. How many of you know that the enemy is working ferociously, fearlessly, trying to disrupt the work of the kingdom of God, trying to make sure that not another soul would get saved, trying to wreak havoc against what the church is building and taking territory. And the enemy has got schemes and plans and traps that he's trying to execute. But if you would stand strong, you'll not for them. Uh, uh, you, you'll not fall for them. But we need to use the whole armor of God. He continues to say that whenever you reference the armor of God, he says the whole armor of God. Don't put your shoes on and walk out with your bathrobe. Put the whole armor of God on. And so we need to know the full counsel of God's word. Amen? Amen. 
And so he says this, be strong. And he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not an issue against Democrats and Republicans. This is not an issue against gay, lesbian, and the church. This is not an issue of sinner against saint. This is an issue of the demonic realm who are influencing those people in their lostness and in their brokenness to follow after their flesh. But our fight is not against them. It's against the heavenly realm so that we would tear down the blinders from their eyes so that they could see the light of the glorious gospel. They're lost like you used to be. So we need to preach the love of Christ Jesus, the power of his deliverance, the power over sin and what keeps them bound. We need to go to war against the enemy. Amen? And we're not doing it enough. We're just not doing it enough. We don't wrestle with them, but we wrestle against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and spiritual forces. Now, Paul is under arrest while he's writing this letter, sitting in a prison probably next to a a soldier, a Roman soldier, and what he's likening as he's writing this letter is the warfare that we're in and looking at how the soldier's dressed. And he's referencing the Greco-Roman wrestling matches that they used to do in the Colosseums. He said, we don't wrestle against people. We wrestle against these different hordes and armies of demonic realm. Now the wrestling he's referring to is the wrestling match in the Greco-Roman Empire that when you defeated someone, the way that you could tell they were defeated is you put your knee or your foot on their neck. They're down. They're out. How many of you want the devil to have his footprint on your neck? No. Um, you, some of you need to get back up. It's close. He's almost got you pinned. Get back up. And turn this thing around in Christ's might and power in you. Get back into the fight. Don't go down for the count. When they would win, they would strike him down and either that person would be put to death or they would gouge his eyes out so that he could no longer wrestle again. Heaven forbid that a believer would be taken down for the count. No way. But many people are broken, many people are wounded, many people are wrestling. We're wrestling with an enemy. The lost isn't wrestling with the demonic. They're walking hand in hand. They're being dragged by the enemy and enjoying it. Or they wouldn't go back to it. It's pleasurable. Because it, it, it appeals to the flesh. So the only ones wrestling with this demonic realm are us. You. It's a heck of a fight. But I'm not going to get pinned again. I've been pinned. How many of you have been pinned sometime? He's been taking you down. You've been slapped silly by the enemy. I've been there. I've been there. Try to put, he's tried to put his thumb into my eye socket. and He's tried to remove my eye to no longer see the way God tells me to see. To no longer see that there is hope. To no longer see that there is a vision yet and destiny for my life. To no longer see that God does fulfill his promises. God does them. He almost had me. A few times he almost had me. I could feel the pressure to no longer trust in what I believed and trust in what I see. But something came into me. I could hear it. I could hear the Holy Spirit say, oh no. 
I have called you by name, child. You are mine. Get up. Grab that demon by the throat and knock him down and put my foot on his neck and say you're done. That's what we're wrestling with. And so Paul lists the very rankings in the demonic realm. He uses the Athens Warfare Manual and lists the names of these different governing parties. He first of all says, we've wrestled against the rulers, and that's the archaeo in the Greek, which is the class of generals in the army. These are the governing, leading uh, authorities in an army. How many of you know that armies have rank and file? There is an order. This is why in spiritual warfare it is absolutely essential that you stay in order and do not become rebellious. Order is essential in the church. Order is essential in the home. How many of you know this? The first place you're supposed to learn submission to authority is as a child to your parents. How many of you know that? But how many of you know there's sometimes rebellious people, rebellious children? Most of you. (laughs) Right? That's why you went through what you went through, because it took so long to finally submit to God. That's where we begin to learn to submit. Submit to authority. Submit to them. And we begin with parents who are supposed to be loving. But there are generals, there are rulers, and so there is an order and a rank of authority. We're talking about military might. You see, the angels are heavenly hosts. That word host is armies, heavenly armies. And so the arche, the generals of the heavenly army, the arches are called archangels. So in the demonic, the, the demonic realm, there are arch demons. They're the generals, they're the rulers, they're watching, they're taking orders, they're uh, hearing what the news and the information is on the battle zone and in the war zone. We see them in the book of Daniel when the angel tried to come down to answer Daniel's prayer. He said, I was fighting in the heavenlies with the prince of Persia. That was a general, that was an demonic over the realm of Medo-Persia. And after he answered it, he said, man, I needed Michael to come down. I needed an archangel. You see, see, Gabriel's an announcing angel. He needed an ark. He needed an authority to come down. And he needed him to just give him what's for. He had to take that general, that ruling deme- de- uh, demon out of the way so that the message of God could get there. How many of you are glad that I don't need an angel to send me a message? I've got the spirit of God speaking directly into my soul. Thank God for that. Then that angel, the, 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 uh, then it... Gabriel said, you know, I got to go back now because I got to go. There's, there's a shift coming. They're sending a new angel. I got to go fight the, that, that arch ruler over Greece. Because in the demonic realm, they were shifting and moving the governmental authorities over the land. We need to be praying over governmental and ruling authorities. Little old me. Yeah, because you see, any time a son of God, that includes you women, any time a son of God makes a declaration for the kingdom of God into the earth realm, it is an order from the throne of God himself. Don't let the devil tell you you're nothing. You understand that when you speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit, you speak for the kingdom of God. 
And so we're in a war. Secondly, he then goes on and he says this, not only rulers, he says, but authorities. This is in the Greek, the exousia. These are platoon commanders. These are those who, who run platoons and brigades and, and are captains over the areas and the number of demonics that are being loosed into those communities and into those areas. And so we have to speak against them. We have to understand the hierarchy of what's taking place. Platoon commanders. He then goes on and he uses the term cosmic powers. And he says this, the cosmic powers over this present darkness. How many of you know that we are in a present darkness? And what do we bring? What did Jesus call his people? The light of the world. You're to shine. Demons hate that. They don't want you to shine. They, they want to block what you bring. And, and Paul tells us that the reason people are lost is because they are blinded by the darkness of this present age. They're blinded from the light of the glorious gospel. So when we go to war, we got to speak against the cosmic powers of darkness to remove the blinders. When you're witnessing to someone, when you're walking into your, your restaurant or your store, you begin to pray, Father God, would you begin to pull the blinders off the people that I meet and see? I take down cosmic powers that are blinding them and authorities. So that when I speak, it can go right in and they can see the light of the gospel. Sometimes your, your communication of the gospel may not be with a lot of words, but it may be with helping hand and care and love. Amen? He goes on and he says this, not only are we speaking against rulers, authorities, cosmic powers, and then he says it's spiritual forces. It's interesting, these cosmic powers that are at work, the, the word is cosmocrator. Cosmo means cosmic and the power. So they are understood in the uh, Athenian army, they were covert operators. Anybody ever hear of the CIA? CIA is a covert operation. What the CIA does is they go in stealth, nobody understands what's going on, and they infiltrate enemy camps and they go in to change world powers and authorities. It'll be interesting one day for us to get to heaven and understand all that our government was involved with around the world. I don't think we know half of what's been going on. But there's covert operations going on all the time. And so this enemy is trying to do things with a stealth mode and change things. How many of you have walked into a situation you didn't know how it happened? How did this take place at my job, at my work? How did the, the, the company change hands like that? How did things shift and change? Covert operations. The enemy is doing it. We're to live in the light. We're not to live covertly. We're to do all things in the light by the authority of the light. 
Listen, if you're living with secrets and lies and secret sin, you're walking a covert life. And that's where the enemy dwells, in the darkness, hidden places. You have to bring all things to light. How many of you have repented of things? How many of you have confessed things to other people and you feel this weight lift off? You say, oh, thank God. The church needs to be a place where we can confess our sins one to another without judgment or condemnation, but to find repentance so that the light can shine in our lives again. Because the enemy traffics in darkness. If you got hidden things, he is going to torque you and twist you to where you'll have to follow your lies continually. Get free. Come to the light. Amen. Now these spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Spiritual forces of evil. This is your common foot soldier. The spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. They are operating in the spirit of the air. The prince of the power of the air. These demonic. Uh, most of you have run into them. If you're unaware of this, you don't realize the damage they're doing in your life. You think it's just happenstance. You think it's just a situation. Oh, but pastor, I'm always led of the Spirit. Yeah, you're led of the Spirit, but if you're ignorant of his leading, you're not realizing somebody else is leading you. And so we're in a war. The minute you gave your life to Jesus, the enemy wants to kill, steal, and destroy the authority of God in your life. If you do not accept the Word of God as your authority... The enemy is going to rob, kill, and steal what he can from you. Because you've got no protection. So Paul goes on and says, come on soldiers, let's get with it. And he goes on and he says this, therefore, take up the whole armor of God. The full armor of God. The second time he calls it. He doesn't just call it the armor of God, he calls it the full armor of God. So that we will be able to stand. You need all of it. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened on the belt of truth. Now we're going to go through this armor. So that you understand what you're going to need to equip yourself with in this war. Everybody here is in it. Unless you're not saved. If you're not saved, good luck. You got trouble. You got trouble. You got to come into the kingdom of God to get saved. Now, it's not, listen, this is protective, but then he gives you some weapons to be offensive. Because the gates of hell shall not prevail. All right? So the gates of hell shall not prevail against the kingdom. The gates are the entrance, right? And, and so the kingdom of God is pushing against the gates of hell. We're Winning souls from hell. And those gates cannot prevent us from winning another soul unto Jesus. We got to get in this fight to win some souls. Amen? Amen? Thank God somebody prayed for you. Thank God somebody bound a spiritual father. So many times it's Aunt Gladys. It's Grandma May. It's some woman that's been praying for you. Fathers too. But there's nothing like a praying mother. A praying grandmother who prayed you into the kingdom. She was wrestling demons. She was taking them down. It's going to be great to see some of the live action smackdown in heaven. 
see some of the things that got you saved. Lord, show me how I got saved. And there's my grandma, Grandma Grace. Grandma Grace praying for me. When Grandma Grace is praying, maybe they, they reenact it and show it and show her prayers taking down this big behemoth demonic. My little old grandma praying. Take him by the nose, pull his nostrils, and knock him down. We're going to talk about the armor of God this morning. Seven pieces, seven facets to the armor of God. It's the perfect number. And so we're going to take a look at it, but we're going to take a look at it in modern terms. Paul's expressing it in ancient terms, right? The belt of truth is our first one. Number one, the belt of truth. Now, uh, back then, men wore full-length garb garments. You cannot move in battle if you're wearing a skirt. So, to gird, how many of you heard the term, gird up your loins, gird the loins? So what they'd do is they would take the back of that skirt and hike it up here and create a pair of skorts and, and hide that thing in their belt, pull it up and put the belt on so now they can move. Because you got to move in a warfare. you got to move in a fight. We've been too placid. We've been sitting around. Looking what more God can give us. Where's the church in this fight? And at least in the Western, uh, in, in America, in the Western Hemisphere. We've been keeping our skirts low and filling our pockets with all the blessings we can get. Come on. Proving how good our God is. We don't have to prove how good our God is. Why don't we get to work and show people how good our God is by saving souls. Souls are the only things of value in heaven. Your car, your house, all that stuff don't mean nothing. But in modern terms, what's a belt of truth? First, it keeps you tight. It protects your loins. It protects your private parts. And so a belt of truth will secure your movement. You can move with everything in place. That's what a belt does. It keeps you taut. It keeps you tight. And it keeps you strong. And it is a belt of truth. That's what truth will do. It will secure your movement. You'll need to know, should I go to the right? Should I go to the left? What does the truth of God's word say? He says, you flee that immorality. Get out of there. You don't belong there. It has the ammunition pouches on your belt. Your ammunition is the word of God, is truth. You need to have the truth around your waist and ready to get a reload when you need it. And so we're to secure ourselves. It also, again, it secures our, our reproductive organs because people are saved through truth. And, and so we use our reproductive organ, we protect it, and we use it for the uh, propagation of the gospel. Amen? Instead of playing with yourself. I'll leave that alone. Number two, bulletproof vest. He then goes on and he says this. He says... Fasten the belt of truth, number two, having put on the breastplate of righteousness. A breastplate of righteousness, that protects your vital organs, your heart, your liver, your kidneys, your organs. This, this 
breastplate of righteousness. Do you know that you stand in Christ's righteousness? The only way you can defeat an enemy is that you're not standing in your ability, but you're standing in the righteousness of Christ. I may have faults, I may have failures, I may have shortcomings, but the righteousness of Christ is a free gift given unto me when I was born again. The gift of righteousness. It is a bulletproof vest. Amen? What do they, what do they call that fabric that it's made out of? Cat, cav, what? Kevlar. Okay, not caviar. Kevlar. Bulletproof vest. This thing is impenetrable. You cannot damage the righteousness of Christ that has been put on me. That was finished at the cross. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He died the perfect, sinless lamb of God. His blood was spotless and shed on this earth. And that right relationship with the Father was perfect and complete. And it was given to me. It's bulletproof. And what the enemy's going to tell you is how you failed the last time. The enemy's going to tell you how you messed up again. You shouldn't have said what you said. You shouldn't have done what you did. But I know that I still have that righteousness because it's not mine. It's Christ Jesus. And that sin covers my failings. And I'm learning from the last mistake not to do it again because I walk in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? Amen. It's a bulletproof vest. So put that piece on and make it strong. And walk in it. This morning we had a prophecy and said, you don't see yourself the way I see you. With righteousness on you, God sees you as a beloved son of God. He goes on, he says, now your shoes for your feet. Put on readiness given by the gospel of peace. And so, we've got foot protection. Paul was looking at the Roman sandals on that soldier. The Roman sandals were unique because on the bottom of them they had spikes. They were like golf shoes. They had spikes on them. Because when the Roman garrison would come in or walk up an incline or walk on the roads, they would plant their feet so that they could stand. And having done all, they stand. And you can't push them back because they're anchored in standing. They've got a good grip. You've got foot protection. You've got uh, traction built into your feet so that by the grace of God you're moving forward by the promises of God it gives you traction to come against an enemy by the power of the spirit in you that dunamis resurrection power and the authority of Christ you can speak to the enemy and cast him down you're speaking in the authority of Christ you can take on any terrain walk into any situation when you walk in the room demons should worry because the Son of God just walked into the room. The atmosphere of that place has just changed. Has anybody ever felt that experience? You ever walk into a place and people recognize something's different, something's off? Hmm? You ever walk into the room at work when they're telling dirty jokes and you walk in and all of a sudden it just kind of scatters and walks away? Because they know you, someone's just walked into the room that is righteous. There's stories of Charles Finney that when he would walk into a factory, people would begin to fall out in the spirit. People would begin to gather because an anointed son of God walked in the house. He could move in. He had that rugged terrain. He could walk against demons and powers and principalities and break them. And of course, there's a really strong soul so that you can crush the enemy under your feet. 
It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of order. That's what shalom means. It's the gospel that you bring peace. In other words, in order to have peace, you have to have authority over chaos. Right? See, if your house isn't clean, it's because you've let the chaos take over your house. Your car is a mess. You need to take authority over the chaos and put an order in it so that you will have peace, everything in its place and in order. And that's what these feet are ready to do, bring the good news and a new order to this planet, to bring peace, the peace of Christ, the authority of Christ into a broken world, into a broken down demonic hellhole. You're the light that comes in, the rugged terrain, taking out all the demonic and everything out of order and speaking the peace of Jesus Christ and the gospel into this situation. You want peace in your life, then what we need to do is this needs to go and you need to start doing this. But see, what we think of peace, we want Jesus to just make everything different. <sighs> you got problems in your marriage, you're praying for your marriage, and, and people are expecting, but God didn't fix my marriage, God didn't do anything. You're the problem. There's only two of you. You're both the problem. Are you going to wake up one morning? You've been having all these problems. You wake up, you look at each other, and you go, oh, we're fixed. Jesus fixed us. No. It's got to happen in here. The order has got to shift and change the way you're talking to each other, the way you're acting, and the way you're behaving, and put an order from the gospel into your life and into your mouth and into the way you love each other. He goes on and he says this, he says that having put on the breastplate of righteousness and the, and the shoes for your feet, having readiness to speak the gospel of peace in all circumstances, in what circumstances? All. Say it again. All. all circumstances. Take up the shield of faith, a shield of faith. Do you know why? Because if you don't have your shield up, you're going to get hit by an arrow, the fiery darts of the enemy. He not only wants to pierce you with an arrow, he wants to burn you. Is anybody getting this? Yeah. The enemy is seeking whom he may devour. Don't make nicey-nicey with any demonic, any familiar spirit. They're there to tear you apart. And they're doing it strategically. They're doing it with progression. And they're trying to take you out. And if you're not covered by the shield of faith, you'll get hit by a dart. I get hit by them all the time. Anybody else? Come on. Right? I mean, I'm walking. I, I wasn't expecting that phone call. I wasn't expecting that text. Just a fiery dart that, that, that I didn't have the shield up over my heart. Boom. Oh, man, again. Or in your mind, boom, you're watching TV, watching something on there. You didn't have your shield of faith up that, that you heard it about 10 minutes ago, said, I don't think you should watch that. And you go ahead anyways, and boom, that thing shoots an arrow right into you. You saw something you shouldn't have seen. Put at all circumstances, put up that shield of faith because it will withstand any enemy attack. They used to soak their shields, uh, sometimes they had leather shields, uh, the, the, uh, the Roman soldiers would laminate, they had big square shields, and they would laminate them with layers of animal skins, 
okay? And then they would soak them in water. And then when they went out into battle so that they would be, uh, have a little bit of loose play because if they were dried out and an arrow hit it, it could crack it and break it open. But also, the enemy was shooting fiery darts into that thing. It would hit that watered shield and it would go out and it would extinguish it. It was, it was uh, soaked or baptized, if you will. So you need to be wet in the anointing of Jesus. The enemy throws anything at you, it rolls off your back. A shield of faith. So you think the best. You don't think the worst of someone. You cut it slack. Don't entertain. Some people say stupid things. And they'll say wrong things to you. Don't harbor them. Don't let them come in. Just put them away. Put them away. And let it bounce off you. He then talks about the helmet of salvation. Now this is a major one. The helmet of salvation is knowing who you are. It's important for you to understand that these are not real spiritual elements. Okay? They are analogies. Faith is a shield. Use your faith at all times. Your feet move with the gospel of peace. The breastplate of righteousness is who you are in Christ. You understand what I'm saying? So, some, people, some people think, well... Oh, I left my, my shield at home. I got to pray, Jesus, I'm picking up my shield. There's no shield. It's your faith. You understand this? Okay. And so the helmet of salvation, the helmet of salvation is eye protection, ear protection, and voice amplification in your helmet. That's a modern technology. Our heads need to be covered. He, Paul tells us that we need to renew our minds from the patterns of this world. Put on that helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation is you've got a new way of thinking. You've got a new identity and a new person as to who you are. You are not in Adam anymore. You are in Christ, filled with the Spirit. So my eyes have to see what Jesus sees. My eyes have to look at things in a whole new way. My mouth speaks with a different way than I used to speak we got a trend going on right now in the church where cursing's fine. It's just the vernacular of the day. And, and Paul says, coarse language, put it away. Don't talk like you used to talk. You talk under the anointing of the Holy Ghost. Don't mingle salt water with pure water, James says. So let your yea be yea and your no be no. Live it out. Listen, I, I, I could put a bottle here, a, a bottle of alcohol. I said, there's the problem right there for some of you. It's that bottle of alcohol. I could bring a magazine of pornography or a, a tablet that you could look up on the pack, tablet and go, oh, there's your problem right there. That's not your problem. I could bring out some drugs and some substances and some things that would addict you and say, that's the problem. That's not the problem. Problem's here. Whatever substance, it can be food, it can be whatever that's giving you all the endorphin rushes and your highs. It's just releasing what's here. You need the salvation in your mind to cleanse you. I don't want to taste the alcohol anymore. I don't want to drink. I don't need a high. I don't need a toke. I don't need that stuff because I've got a new brain, a new mindset. It's a helmet of salvation. You don't walk with that, then you're in trouble. You're left open for the enemy. 
He loves to get into your head. Why do you think he's called the principality of the air? Because what is the number one thing that is taking people's minds over? The media. What's floating in the air? Barrage. Every day you are being inundated with a message from hell. Then he says, take the sword of the spirit. Praise God for a sword of the spirit, but I don't know what to do with a sword. It's double-edged. Here's your advanced weapon. So I went for an automatic weapon instead. I got a bulletproof vest on. I got a shield of faith. I got a helmet. I got communications. I got all the ammo I need. I got some good boots to go forward, and now I'm taking them out. Any demon gets in my way, I am taking him out. I'm going to spray, and I'm also going to be a sharpshooter. I got a scope on this thing, too, if I need to. This is what I'm talking about. But how many of us are really that active in the, in the realm of spiritual warfare? We're like pinballs. We get knocked and looped all around. And the Lord says, get back in there. And we go, ping, pa-pong, pa-ping, pa-pong. I'm heading out. And he goes, no, 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 get back in there. What's the seventh? Well, we know the sword of the Spirit, right? It's the sword of the Spirit. So the weapon of the Holy Ghost, the weapon of the Spirit. He tells you where to go, where to shoot, how to move. And so that's the, the activity of the Holy Spirit. And so with all these things, Paul says, you're going to do all right. And he says this, verse 18, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. That is the seventh part of the armor of God. And many of us stop the armor of God and say, oh, you should also pray. But what you don't realize is that is actually part of the equipping of the armor of God. What good is a soldier walking around without any communication as to where the enemy is, where his other troops are, and where he should be going? So with prayer and supplication, you have got central communication systems. You have got a GPS guidance system in the heavenlies from the Holy Spirit of God from the throne room down to you to personal tracking location and a GPS from ground to air, from kingdom to earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have got to find out where God wants us to move, where he wants us to flow, what he wants us to achieve. Amen? Amen. I hope this is not too... Uh, 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 abstract for some of you, but things in the spirit have to be abstract because you can't see them. So we need physical analogies and references to begin to imagine. Imagination was given to you by God. We've perverted it, but if you will make it righteous, a righteous imagination will go far in spiritual warfare. That's why we use terms like binding the enemy, casting out, and all these ideas. Because we have to see into a spirit realm that we can't see. So we use physical attributes of boots and breastplates and swords and so forth. They help you begin to understand. So prayer, in a, what kind of prayer does he say? All. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and all supplication. Does anybody know what supplication is? It's a request. Don't ever apologize that you're asking God too often or too much. He says, make your prayers and supplications known. 
Half the time, you, if you'll pray what you really want, you'll find out what's in your heart. Don't keep it private for him. You're calling heaven. Hello. Anybody there? I need this again. I ran out. I need it again. Send me some more. Right? Instead of sitting there moping, God never answers my prayers. Communicate. All kinds of prayers. All of it by the unction, the anointing of the Holy Spirit. You ever read the book of Nehemiah? Nehemiah is serving the king his wine. And he finds out that Jerusalem's in shambles. He's really upset about it. And the king's taking the wine from the wine taster. You don't want your wine taster crying with tears, upset. You're going, what's in that wine? I don't think I want to drink that. What's your problem? And he says this. I prayed to the Lord and answered the king. So what do you think he did? Did he get down on his knees and go, in the name of Jesus, in the name of the Father, oh God. No. You know how Nehemiah prayed in the Lord and answered the king? He said, what's your problem? And Nehemiah said, well, Jerusalem's in trouble. In a split second, he prayed to the Lord. You can have an anointed, Holy Spirit-driven prayer. It can go like this. Jesus, help! There it is, full of the Holy Ghost and power. All of heaven heard the name of Jesus. There are some prayers that you linger on, some prayers till you get a release. There are some prayers that you're in warfare. You're fighting an enemy, fighting an enemy, fighting an enemy till you find the release of the Spirit so that he's done. Now advance. And so this is what we need to do. And those are the seven implements of the weapons of our warfare in spiritual warfare. And he says this, to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. We have got to band together. We have got to move together, function together, flow together, care for each other. We're in a war. I got your back. You should have my back. We should be flanking side by side. The the Roman unit was impenetrable because they had these full-length shields. And what they would do is they would move against an enemy. They would lock in their feet in the dirt. They would put their shields. Some would put them in front, and then others would place them above, and they would create an armored tank. And as they move forward with their spears and their swords out, this thing would trample every enemy. That's what the church should be doing. Against the demonic realm. Amen? Amen. So look past the flesh and blood that's being used by an enemy and recognize where the warfare is. Get ready to fight together. There's two main elements that God does to bring us band together, to bring this unit, this army. We're an outpost here in Roseville, right here on on Kelly Road and Church Street. We're an outpost of the kingdom of God. We're to take this territory from 8 to 16, Grossbeck to the lake. We're to militarily take it from the demonic realm. There's witchcraft. There's drug abuse. There's broken homes. There's demonic activity all over the heavenlies in this place. 
And are we moving? The two things that keep us together is gathering together to worship and study the word. And secondly is to have fellowship of communion together. We remind ourselves through the bread and the wine of Christ's sacrifice for us and forgiving each other. We continue to unite as an army of God. I'm praying for 2020 that this church will begin to move in the realm of the heavenlies and take out enemies. Amen? Are you with me? Are you with me? Stand with me this morning. Father, we thank you. As we stand, I'm going to pray very specifically for you. For an impartation. We've heard the word. We've had a chance to fellowship in the Holy Spirit. Now as I send you out, I want to pray that God would minister uniquely to each one of you. So I'm going to go through these seven really quickly. And if that's you, just lift up your hand as I pray for this. I'm going to pray for the belt of truth. You need to be girded with truth. You need protection. You need to move in truth. If you need uh, a refill of that ammo, if you need strength in the truth that you know, lift up your hand so I can pray for you. Father, I thank you for these soldiers who are saying, fill up my ammo pouch. Fill up my supply of truth, God. Bring clarity of mind to me that I would understand that I, I, I have truth in what I do and what I say. May my words echo what is true. May there be no falseness in my actions or movement, but that I am gird my loins with truth. And I release that now in Jesus' name. Secondly, those of you who need the righteousness, how many of you need to be reminded that you are the righteousness of God? You have the righteousness of Christ. Maybe some of you are feeling down on that. Lift your hand up if you need that prayer. Father, I pray right now, we already have the righteousness of Christ, but many of us don't recognize that we are his righteousness. I pray for a renewed mind to receive the righteousness and the standing of righteousness that we walk in. I release that knowledge now in Jesus' name. How many of you need new boots to walk in the peace of the gospel, to take it to places? Some of you need greater boldness. Some of you have not been operating in the boldness of the Spirit. You've not been having your feet prepared to take this gospel. Lift your hand up if you need that. Father, I pray for an unction right now that will tread on serpents and snakes. You said that we would do damage to the kingdom of heaven. We would preach and we would teach and we would speak and evangelize this gospel. I pray for those who need a new tread on their shoes. They need a new jump in their step and that they will go aggressively and boldly into the kingdom and into this dying world. How many of you need a shield of faith restored? Your faith. Father, I pray for those right now who have had shields that have gotten old and cracked and feeble. I pray for a renewed faith, a strengthened faith, a faith that's soaking in the presence of the Holy Spirit that is strong to resist the darts of the enemy. I might have been fooled once, but not again. And I release the spirit of faith into the people of God. How many of you need a helmet of salvation to clear your mind, protect your mind from the demonic thinking and the demonic influences? Father, I pray, release right now the minds, Lord God, from any bondage 
of thinking and patterns of this world that they may have the helmet of salvation. They'll remember why you died for us, how you died for us, and since you did, we are now have a new, renewed mind. I break the powers of addictions off of us and the power of lies in us for the truth and the helmet of salvation that purchased us. And I release it. Now, how many of you need the sword of the Spirit? You need a weapon. You need a weapon of truth, a weapon of the Spirit. Come on, how many of you need a renewed weapon of the Holy Ghost? Father, I pray that we would no longer simply be a container for the Holy Spirit. I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, that we release living waters flowing out of us, no longer containers, but in fact, Lord God, we sprout. We're fire hoses of the Holy Ghost. It emanates from us. And I pray, Lord God, for that sword of the Spirit to be used by these people of God. And last of all, I pray for us. Everybody raise your hand. I pray for us to pray, to pray, and to pray in all things, to pray and to seek the Lord. And that we would hear from heaven the orders of God. If you'll receive these anointings and this armor of God, say amen this morning. I receive it in Jesus' name.